morning, church. All right, everybody's awake. Good morning, Ryan. How are you doing this morning? I come by this morning, and Ryan, I, I was so focused, I just didn't even say hey or nothing to Ryan. He was like, what you doing? You ain't going to say hey to me this morning? So I just want to tell you, I'm sorry. I'm, good morning. <laughs> well, um, I tell you what, we've been going through this new series called Bigger Than Me, and, and you know what? I, the whole series is built around the idea of realizing that life is bigger than me. Y'all with me? Like, it's bigger than me. It's bigger than, than what I want. It's bigger than what I think things should turn out to be, and that all of us need to have eternal perspective on everything we do. And so, in thinking in terms of that, if life is not about me, it's about fulfilling my purpose for Jesus Christ. That would put me every single day living my life for eternity in the crosshairs, right? Right? All right, you better wake up. So if I'm living every day with eternity in the crosshairs, then I'm going to make sure I'll live every day to the glory of God. And if we're, if we're followers of Jesus, then we're changing our life every single week. We're, every single day we get out of bed, our focus is to please him every day, right? Our character should line up to Jesus' character. Our ways should be his ways, right? We should be trying to live every day in order to glorify God. The way we live, we should be trying to be every day living more and more like Christ. Right with me? Because to be a Christian means to be an imitator of Christ. It means to be little Christ. That's what Christian means. So if we're supposed to be little images of Jesus, then our character should line up with Jesus. And so when life is not about me and it's all about Christ and I'm changing my life to live for the glory of God, then I realize things is not about me and I began to really pursue God in such a way that glorifies him. And if all of us are doing that together, we're like a wall that's moving and we're pushing back the stuff in, in our community, in our families. We're just pushing that stuff back, the stuff that's the, the ugly stuff in life. We're pushing that stuff back because we're walking in unison with God. Y'all with me? And so that's what, that's what, when we realize it's bigger than me, all of us together are the church and we're living this thing out to accomplish the purpose in which God has given the church. And the church will never be what God's called it to be unless we all live out our purpose. That takes each and every one of us. When you see a church that's like really reaching people, you see people that are getting saved, you see church growing, you know what? That's people that get it. That's people that are following Christ. That's people that realize this ain't about my comfort, this ain't about my money, this ain't about my talent. It's about giving everything to God. And when you see that, people, the church starts reaching people. But when you see churches that are stagnant, they're not growing, you know what that means? The people don't get it. That means we're too worried about ourselves. That means we're okay with our comfort, and nobody else means anything more to us. That means we're more consumed with ourselves than we are about Jesus. And I know that probably just slapped a lot of you in the face, but the reality of it is that's either we're one or the other. And if we want to be the church and we want to be the people that are reaching the nations for Jesus Christ, then we have to take heed and realize that this thing is bigger than me and let's get after it for the glory of God. Y'all with me? So let's do this so we can give God honor and glory. And if we are the people that are focused on him, then we will, this, this will be a place, we will be a place where those who re feel rejected find a home and experience the saving power of Jesus. Man, that's, that's what I want. 
I want people that feel like there's no other hope in the world and they come into it, they come to a service or, or they meet one of you guys and it's like, bam, they have hope again because you're walking in the hope of Jesus Christ and you show that to them through how you love them. You know, and as I was preparing for this Sunday and getting ready for this message, I, I, I tell people a lot, I'm not smart enough to do this on my own. I just kind of pray and say, God, what you want me to say? That's pretty safe because the only body I can blame is God. So if you don't like this message, talk to God about it. <laughs> so I was reading through Luke chapter 4, and I was reading through Luke chapter 4. I get to verse 14, and it's where Jesus was rejected in Nazareth. Nazareth was his hometown. They knew Jesus, right? They knew him from a little boy. And, when, you know, when I, every time I've read this story, I've always felt like I was wrong for planting a church in my hometown because it was like a prophet has no honor in his hometown. Every time that I felt discouraged, the devil would bring up the scripture saying, you have no right doing this because you're not going to make any difference because they know you. And then Jesus, on the other hand, the Holy Spirit is telling me, that's why you're going to make a difference because they knew who you were. So I always use that scripture to tell, it would be discouraging and then encouraging. But the thing is, is when Jesus comes into Nazareth, he walks in and, and he's, he walks into the synagogue. Everybody that knows him is there. And Jesus is rejecting his own hometown, not because of who Jesus is, but because of what Jesus stood for. See, the reason we get rejected from everybody around us, because, not because who we are, it's because who we stand for. Y'all with me? And if you don't face opposition in your walk with Christ, then you're not walking with Christ. Because walking with Christ puts you at odds with people that are not walking with Christ. They get, they get their feelings hurt. They get kind of convicted when you start not wanting to go out and party with them. They start calling you all these names. Anybody relate to that? Oh, two people, three people. Amen. All right. I'm not in this alone. But the thing is, when we realize that, and what, what Jesus, he was in there. He went to the synagogue, and, he was, and then he began to say, some scripture out of Isaiah. And as he reads this scripture, it just really just, like it's like pouring heaping coals on these, on these religious people. All these are, are the religious people that have been sitting back. These are the Pharisees, the ones that have been sitting back. They're making all these rules. They've been keeping people from the glory of God because they didn't keep the rules that they thought they should keep. So they were keeping people from God. And Jesus is in front of them, breaking all of their rules. And they're like, what's this dude doing? And Jesus reads this in verse 18. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and to recover the, uh, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now. And God, as we read your word, and Lord Jesus, as, uh, as you preached this before, a crowd of religious people that were more worried about how, what they were going to have to change than worrying about following you, God, I just pray that you would move in our hearts this morning, that, God, you would change us, that, God, we would be people so consumed with ourselves that we would be people consumed by you. And, Lord Jesus, the only way that's going to change, unless you, Holy Spirit, come in us, you change us, you reform my mind and our thinking that lines up to you. So, Holy Spirit, have your way. Speak through me, God, as a vessel. Lord, uh, don't let any word that I want to say be said unless you want it said. So, God, move in a mighty way. 
touch us today. So many of us are worried about what we can learn from a message. But God, I pray that you would speak to our heart and God, it would be something we can apply. So God, move in our hearts in a powerful way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So so read that scripture and, and so Jesus reads the scripture and all these people are marveled. Like, how did he get all this wisdom? And then they're like, well, well how, how can he say those things? Who is he, to, who is he to, 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 to proclaim freedom for prison? Who is he to recover sight for the blind? Who is he to let oppress free? These religious people were so consumed with themselves that they couldn't even see who Jesus was. And see, that's why it's so important that we get over ourselves and we look to Jesus because if we're not careful, we're so consumed with what we want, we won't listen to the Holy Spirit telling us what he wants. Our biggest hindrance is us. And Jesus is telling us in this passage, and when I read it, it just spoke to me, and I wrote it down. This is the mission for sinners. These, these short two verses is, is the mission for sinners. That's what Jesus said. That's what he was coming to do. And if we're supposed to be like Jesus, we're sinners saved by grace. Amen? If you know Jesus Christ and he saved you from your sins and you're following him, then we're sinners saved by grace. And so we should be walking in the ways of the Lord. And if Jesus said this was his mission, guess what? It's my mission. If this is Jesus', if this is Jesus mission, this is your mission. You with me? And God's called us. I know I'm coming pretty hard this morning, but I'm excited. Can you tell? Y'all, some of y'all happy to be here? Take the brakes off. You don't know what you're asking for. <laughs> but he turns and he says, he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. That's the first thing Jesus says. He says, he's, he's, he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. And if you have the spirit of the living God inside of you, then he's chose you to proclaim the good news to the poor. Y'all with me? See, I want you to understand, a lot of us in this room don't know what it means to be poor. Now, I know a lot of us have had these stories. You know, when we, get, we got married, we didn't have but $5, it lasted for seven weeks. And, you know, people have those stories. But if you really went back and looked at your checkbook, you know you're telling a lie. You had plenty of money. But the thing is, we don't know what being poor looks like. Really, being poor looks like. See, when you're poor, he's talking about poor. Being poor is not just poor in monetary, in money. Now, 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 when you don't have any money, that, that, is, that is kind of sad. See, people judge you when you are in a lower economical bracket than everybody else. And even you do it not knowing. I remember growing up and, and uh, my, my granddaddy, uh, he just, he loved his family and Papa just never cared about, about things. He just cared about his family. And so I remember going and Papa always drove a old beat-up truck, and he, and he, I mean, I remember, I used to tell the joke that I could count every rock because he drove 20 miles an hour everywhere he went, and there was a hole in the floorboard of his truck, and I could count every rock from his house to Gerard. <laughs> he drove that slow. He, he, he didn't care about name-brand clothes. He, he, he just didn't care about those things, and I remember going to a store and seeing somebody look, look at him kind of funny because of the way he was dressed or, or what he was wearing, and when I was a kid, when you're a kid, you pick up on stuff like that. But, you know, I've seen my granddaddy look treat people the same way no matter how they treated him. And then when I got older, I remember I was logging with my uncle, and uh, I was logging on the weekends, and he used me for his grease monkey. 
Because what I would do is he would, everything that broke down during the week, guess what? Jeremy's going to be here Friday, uh, Saturday, and we're going to fix it. I don't want to get dirty. We're going to send him down in there. And I'd go to work looking, you know, all clean and smelling nice, and I'd leave, and you couldn't tell who I was, what I was, or anything. And I remember going into Bilo one day to get some, uh, get some groceries. I was, we, were some, we were married at that time, and I remember going and getting groceries. Um, Sabrina wanted me to go by and get something. And when I went into Bilo, here I was, because I didn't care what I looked like when I go anywhere. It don't matter to me. The reason I wear, look the way I look most times is because Sabrina makes me match. It makes me look a certain way. But when I, 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 those days, I didn't care. And so I went into the store, and I walked in and walked in. There was a, there was a, a girl there that, that I saw every weekend. Newer, good. But the way I looked, she seen me and did this. And I was like, hey, it's Jeremy. <laughs> and she just kept on going. And I was like, what in the world? See, just because of the way I looked, she didn't want anything to do with me. And I got in the truck, and I got in with a guy that was riding with me. And, and uh, man, he, he, was, he, was a, he was addicted to alcohol. He, was, he, he lived in a shack. He didn't bathe half the time. And that's why uncle, my uncle made me take him home. But anyway, it was all those different things. And, I, and I, I remember looking down on him a lot of days, thinking, you can do better than that and all this. And looking down on him. And I went in the truck, and I was telling him about how, how they treated me. And he was like, man, you get used to that. That's how they treat me all the time. See, we don't understand how poor people feel until you're put in those shoes. And he was used to that. Treated like they're second class. Treated like they're not worth nothing. Treated like, you know, you didn't meet my standards. So you know what? I'm not going to associate with you. And Jesus says, I came. I came to proclaim good news to the poor. Those that are hopeless, those that are hopeless. I'm telling you, there's people that are tired and torn in our community and the people that live around you. There's people that are tired and torn. They just can't take it anymore. They're just ready for the tears to stop. They've been struggling through this life so much that they're just tired. And God's saying he's wanting to use us to bring to proclaim the gospel to those people. But they have to know you love them and you appreciate them and you care for them, not that they're just somebody or a piece of trash the way we treat them. Like they need to treat them like they're a child of the king. To see, the struggle's real out there. Any y'all know that the struggle's real? The struggle's real. And everybody struggles different than the way you struggle, but you need to realize that the struggle's real. And see, there's some people that struggle with addiction. There's some people that just that struggle with fitting in. There's some people that, that struggle so bad, they take one pill to make them happy, and they take too many pills, they get sad. And they're taking these pills to try to help, their, help them fit in because they don't feel like they fit in anywhere. They're poor in spirit. And what Jesus is saying is God has sent me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent us to be vessels of change to show compassion to people. Y'all with me on that? To show compassion to people. See, when you feel poor, you feel excommunicated. You feel like you're excommunicated from the rest of the people. When, when you are struggling through something, you feel like nobody else cares. You feel like you're all alone. 
Think about what most people do to people that are struggling with addiction. They put them over there and say, hey, deal with it. And when you get right, come back and see me. That's not what Jesus said. I'm thankful Jesus didn't do that to me. See, we must be a place that loves people that others reject. We got to be. And, and, if, and if we're going to be that place, that means you have to be that person that loves people that other people reject. See, Jesus, he crossed all kind of religious boundaries to heal, to comfort, and to save others that everybody else had given up on. And that's what he's called us to be. That's how he's called us. That, Jesus says, I've came to proclaim the good news to the poor. And, and when I think about that, Jesus, look what he did with his life. In Luke chapter 5, verses 12 and 13, he goes to the, to the leper. He goes to this guy with leprosy. The guy with leprosy, in those days, if you had leprosy, it was almost like a death sentence. It's, leprosy is a skin disease where your flesh literally rots away. And nobody wanted to be around anybody with leprosy, okay? It's in Leviticus that they wrote, they wrote like a, some statutes of saying, hey, all right, if they got leprosy, what has to happen is you have to go out of the town until you're cleansed, until you're okay with it. You know, and if, and if, if for some reason that you're, you're cured of this leprosy, when you come back in, the priest has got to examine you before we're going to let you back in for, to see everybody. You were excommunicated from everyone if you had leprosy. There were certain clothes you had. You had we had to wear clothes that was torn so you could be identified. You had to stay within 50 paces of anyone. If somebody was coming outside the town and they just happened, you happened to be close, you had to say, hey, I got leprosy, and make sure you were 50 paces away from them. That's, you're talking about excommunicated. You're talking about feeling second class. You're talking about feeling not worthy. And here comes this man that's hopeless. Everybody else rejects. Everybody else runs away from him. He don't, nobody wants to have anything to do with him because of his condition. And he comes up and he says, Jesus, if you're willing, you can heal me. Jesus says, I'm willing. I'm willing. How many of us are willing to go to those people? It takes us all out of our comfort zone. It takes us all out of our comfort zone. I remember when, I remember when, uh, when, when, when the whole AIDS epidemic broke out, man, I remember when you started thinking about somebody having AIDS, it was just like, oh, get away. If you, you know, so-and-so's got AIDS. You know what you would do? You would, put, you would banish them people from your life. Don't look at me judgmental because you know you did it. I did it. I, I heard a family member that had it, and I'd be like, you know what? If he's going to be there, I ain't going because I don't want that stuff getting on me because I was ignorant to the fact of what, it, what, what really could happen there, and they needed love and compassion. See, God's called us to be those people that go, just like Jesus. He went and he showed compassion on him and he healed that man that nobody else had anything to do with. And when he did that, he immediately healed them. See, I want to tell you something. There's people out there right now that are just, they're, they're, just, they're thirsty, they're hungry for somebody to care about them. They're, they just want somebody to know, they, 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 they just want somebody to care enough about them to make them feel like they are loved. And the moment they feel that love and that acceptance, they're going to listen to who you are following because you know what? Everybody else has treated them like trash, but you treated them like a treasure. And when you treated them like a treasure, they want to know how because you've, they've been treated so bad for so wrong. And when you introduced them to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that empowered you to bring that redemption to them, they're going to say, like, sign me up because I want to follow him too. If he's done that in you, he can do that in me. 
I'm preaching better than y'all laying on today, but I'm telling you, God can do that through that. He wants to use you to do that. That means we go to the trailer park. We go to the projects. We go to the place where we feel like it's the worst place to go in our community. We go there and show them Jesus. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks because we're doing it to please God and not men. And when we start doing that, you're going to start seeing people come to Jesus by the droves because they want to know that they are human. They want to know that, that there's other people that have value in them. They, there's people that are just, they're just in such a turmoil. They're such poor in spirit because of how they've been treated their whole entire life. People tell them there'll never be nothing. Ne- nobody will ever love them. Nobody will ever care for them. They want somebody to show them love so bad. And when you do that, it's a game changer. But when you do that, it's out of because of what the mission and what Jesus has given us, saying that he's called us to proclaim the good news to the poor. See, we must be a place in which the rejected people can, can be accepted and be loved into a relationship with Jesus. We say it all the time. It's okay not to be okay, right? Because all of us ain't all right. No matter how self-righteous you think you are, even me, I'm not right half the time, majority of the time. But it's not okay to stay that way. And that's what people need to understand. It's okay that you're not okay right now, but it ain't all right to stay that way. Let, 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 me, let me help you. Let me hold your hand. Let me walk with you. That's what Jesus did. He looked at the man with leprosy, and he said, you know what? I see the way you are, and it's not okay for you to stay this way, and I'm going to help change you right now. Jesus had compassion on the poor. He also says, the next, verse, the next part of that verse, he says, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. You know, a prisoner is a person that's captured or is kept confined by the enemy. He's, he's, he's captured, he's, he's captivated, he's, he's in one place, he can't get free. That's a prisoner. A person that feels confined or trapped by a situation or circumstances. That's a prisoner. How many of us know people that are imprisoned by their circumstances, that are imprisoned by where they are right now? Maybe, you're, maybe you know people that are imprisoned by their work environment. Maybe they're imprisoned by their marriage Maybe they're imprisoned by, by, some, by an addiction. Maybe they're imprisoned by something. Jesus says, look, I came to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. People imprisoned by in their own body. I want to tell you, when Jesus came in Luke chapter 5, verse 17 through 26, he, he, came to, he was there and, a, and, a, and a, it was a, a paralyzed man. Y'all remember the parable of the paralyzed man? He, he, the story of the paralyzed man? Y'all remember? I'm going to tell it to you if you don't remember. The, the paralyzed man, he, he was paralyzed. He couldn't get to Jesus. There was no way he was going to get there. But his friends heard that Jesus was there. And they said, you know what? He's been paralyzed his whole life. There's no way he's going to ever change unless we get this man to Jesus. So his friends picked the boy up in his, in his bed. And one of them, they, I would think there's four of them because there's four posts on the bed. But they picked the bed up and they go take him to Jesus. And when they get to Jesus, they couldn't get to him because the crowds were so large. They didn't give up there. They went to the roof. They took their, they took their buddy up on the roof took the tiles off the roof, tore the roof off the house so they could let Jesus down, let the boy down in in the presence of Jesus because they were thinking, if I can just get my friend to Jesus, it's going to change everything. How many of us have that attitude about our friends and our family? If we can just get them to Jesus, that's going to change everything. Are we that desperate? These boys didn't care what it took. They, they were going to do whatever they took to get their friend to Jesus. 
They didn't care what nobody thought about them. They didn't think about, they didn't care if people was like, that's undignified for you to get on top of that roof. They didn't care about their dignity. They didn't care about their perception. They were just desperate for their friend to be changed because he was imprisoned in his own body. See, if we want to be a place where people, we need to be a place where people that are paralyzed by their circumstances find redemption. See, that paralyzed man would have never, ever, ever, ever experienced Jesus if it wasn't for his friends. See, that's why it's so important that we get over ourselves, get over our comfort, and realize this thing's bigger than me. And we say, you know what? I know Jesus, and he's the one that's going to fix your problem. He's the one that's going to fix your situation. You, you ain't got to bring him to church, but that's a, good, that's a good place to start. But he wants you to be a vessel of change in their life. If you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you, you can bring Jesus to the man on the street corner right there by yourself. And he's calling us to be those people that are vessels of change to the world around us. And Jesus is saying that to come and proclaim freedom to the prisoners. Man, I'm telling you, when I see people that are imprisoned by circumstances, feeling like they can't get out, they're stuck. There's no hope in that. They're just going through the motions every day, just hoping that that today's going to be better than yesterday, constantly going through those motions. God's called us to be that voice of saying, hey, I don't know how I'm going to get you out of this. You might not have all the answers, but you know what? I'm going to hold your hand. We're going to walk through this together. He's called us to be those people. Do you want to be those people? Amen. Me too. We've got to be a place where people who are paralyzed by their circumstances find redemption. Got to be. Got to be. He says, he continues in verse 18, the latter part of it. He says, and also to proclaim, to also for recovery of sight for the blind. So he says we, that he, he's there, we all, all of us here, are to help people recover sight of their blindness. To recover your sight. To recover means to regain possession of. That means you've lost it. How many, of you, how many people you know have lost their vision of Jesus? How many people grew up in Sunday school and they just had a little glimpse of what Jesus looked like? They had never got the full version of it. Y'all with me? We grew up in church. We grew up with Sunday school and this Sunday school background, this vacation Bible school background, but yet we really never walked in it and followed Christ. We've got this little idea of what it looks like. We never got the full vision of what it means to follow Jesus. And God's called us to give vision to those who don't have vision. To be blind, lack perception, lack awareness or discernment. To be blind, you can be blind permanently or temporary. Temporary. There's a lot of people that are blinded by their own circumstances. And I'll tell you, it's no fun being blind. It's no fun being blind. Because I've been blind. I had an accident where I had a head injury. We're not going to get into the accident right now, but anyway, I, I, it was a deer involved. But we'll talk about that later. But I had an accident. I, had a, I got a head injury. I was laying on the asphalt on Highway 25, looking up at the sky, seeing the stars, seeing everything. My buddy's like, it's time to go. He grabs me by my hand. He picks me up. When he picks me up, lights out. Can't see nothing. I was like, oh, man, I got to sit down. He sets me back down. As soon as I lay back down, my vision comes back. I'm laying there. A truck comes by. A guy's like, are y'all okay? He, he said, no, my buddy can't see. Can, I, can, can you help me? They I see the lights, I see the truck, I see all that stuff. They pick me back up again, lights out. You know what's scary about being blind? 
is you gotta have people take you to where you need to go. And my friend had one hand and the stranger had my other hand and they walked me around the front of the truck where the lights were. Couldn't see a thing. All I seen was like red confetti going through my eyes. I get around the truck and they sit me. He, he actually, they said, all right, they pick me up. They put my butt in it. They, put, they pick up each leg to direct me where I needed to sit. And they shut the door. I wasn't far enough in and they, they slammed me in the door. And I was sitting there in the door my, everything about me, I was blind to anything around me. My whole life, where I was going, my direction, everything was in the hands of these people because I was blind, I couldn't see. And as we began to drive closer to the house, I began to see glimmers of light, slowly but surely. And next thing you know, I, could, I picked out, I could start seeing people in front of me. And before we got to my house, I, I had regained almost all my vision. You talking about happy? You talking about happy? Oh, this boy is happy. When I finally could see. But see, there's a lot of people out there that don't know what that happiness looks like because they're still blind. I was blinded by religion for my whole life. And when I finally got a glimpse of what it truly meant to follow Jesus, everything changed. But it took a friend of mine, the same friend that led me when I was, when I was temporary blinded. That same friend is the one that led me to Woodstock, Georgia. And I began. that's when I really heard the good news for the first time. He's called us to be agents of change, to walk with people and to hold people by the hand so they can see. But see, we don't want to do that because that takes patience. That takes time. It don't happen like this. People don't get it like this. We have to be long-suffering and walk along with people. And if they don't get it the first time, we don't write, we don't write them off. We say, all right, come on, you, let me walk with you. Let me, let's keep going because we see a better future for their life. And we know that the moment that we're walking with them and all of a sudden their sight, they regain sight and they see the vision for their life. They see Jesus for the first time. They see what it truly means to have a relationship with Christ. It's not about religion. It's not about going to church, but it's about following a Savior that loves me and dies for me. When they see that, everything changes, church. And God said he's called us to be people that help others regain sight. Man, if that ain't preaching to y'all, it's preaching to me. But man, that's exciting. Is that exciting to you? I mean, to be able to be a part of somebody being able to see the light. God said that's what he's called us to be. See, we won't be those people if we're all about ourselves. See, Luke chapter 5, verse 27 through 32 was about, is about a man named Levi, also, also named Matthew. He was a tax collector. He was a tax collector. And Jesus came by this man. He didn't, he didn't say, you know what, Matthew, get your life together and then come follow me. He didn't say, all right, Matthew, come do this and then, then, then come follow me. No. What he said, he's looked at Matthew. Matthew's sitting behind his tax booth. Matthew probably just robbed somebody for some money right before Jesus came up. I mean, he was still in his sin. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't clean. He, he, was, just, he was just right there in the middle of all of this sin. And Jesus said, come follow me. You know what Matthew did? He had heard enough about Jesus that he knew he was the real deal. And when Jesus said, come follow me, he jumped up and he left. You know, the, you know how I knew Matthew got it? Because the next thing Matthew did, or Levi, the next thing he did was he invited all his friends that, that, were, that were away from the, the hand of God, that didn't know Jesus. He invited them to a party. And the religious people started saying, what, what are you doing hanging out with these sinners? And Jesus says, 
Don't the sick need a doctor? Don't the sick need a doctor? He said, I didn't come for the righteous. I came to bring sinners to repentance. When you start thinking that this church is about you, you've thought wrong. When you start thinking this is about us getting in a little holy huddle and let's raising our hands and let's feeling good about ourselves, let's patting each other on the back, saying good job, good job, that's wrong. It's about us bringing people that are desperate for salvation, people that are desperate that need the love of Jesus Christ, bringing them into the house, bringing them into where they can get healed, bringing them into where they can experience the saving grace of Jesus. And if we don't bring them into the house, they won't ever get healed. Y'all with me? See, in order for a hospital to be effective, people got to go. In order for a hospital to be effective, people have to be healed. People have to be treated. You've never seen, I've never seen a hospital that people go to that are, they're well, they're okay. How many, how many of you like going to the hospital? All right, nobody lied, good deal. I hate going to the hospital. My wife almost has to beat me to go to the doctor. I mean, I feel like a little kid. I mean, she, literally, she'll stand in the door and be like, Jeremy, if you don't get out of that bed, I'm going to take my belt off. And I'm like, okay, baby, I'll go, I promise. I hate going to the doctor because I just don't want to go. And that's what's wrong. There's a lot of people out there in the world, they don't want to go because they've heard the horror stories of church. They've, heard, they've seen the hard, the hard part, the hardness of most Christians' hearts. It ain't compassion. It ain't love. It's mostly, it's mostly just judgment. And you need to do things the way I want you to do it, not the way God wants you to do it. And when we start showing them compassion and love and gentleness and patience, bam, that's a, that's a game changer right there. They begin to see, oh, they really do care about me. They really do love me. And they, their, their blinders become to, to fall off. See, the thing about bringing sight to the blind is God's also called us to open up the eyes to the religious people around us to make them realize that it ain't about people cleaning their lives up before they come to Jesus. It's about them coming to Jesus, then cleaning their lives up. And if we are intentional with doing that, with showing people, loving people, caring for people, it's going to open the eyes of the people around us that are religious and caught up in this checklist and them seeing, you know what? They're doing things the way Jesus did things. and There must be something I'm missing. So not only has God called us to bring, bring sight to those that are spiritually blind, but also sight to those that are walking in just blank religion. That's what he's called us to be. We must be a people that bring the sick to Jesus. We must be. When it's not about me, when it's bigger than me, I am want to be that vessel that brings people to Jesus. The last part, verse 18, verse, <clears throat> verse 18, he says, also to set the oppressed free. To bring some more, more to that, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to, then go to the end, to set the oppressed free. Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, because the Holy Spirit is in you, you are called to set the oppressed free. Those that are, those that are oppressed, those that, number one, to set, called to set them free. That means you got to take action. It don't just happen, right? You right, you with me? You, don't, you, just, you just can't say, I hope you get better. Uh-uh, you got to be intentional. Set, to set upright, to bring upright, to put in its place. That's what set means. And to be oppressed means to be 
be held down in a specific location, be, be bogged down, to be stuck. He said he's called us to set the oppressed free, to, be, walk, to walk, walk through life with people. That's why we do connect group, so that we walk through life with people. There's a lot of you right here in this room under the sound of my voice. You're stuck. You're stuck. You won't never know Jesus in the more intimate level until you take that next step. That's why Connect Group helps you walk through life because you got other people holding your hand, encouraging you, saying, hey, I've taken that step before, and it was scary, but this is what God did. That's why it's so important we do life together because when we do life by ourselves, Satan is just waiting on us to be alone so that he can pounce on you. If he can ever get you separated from the pack, he can have his way with you. But as long as he's got you, as long as you're in the pack, he, won't, he can't get a hold of you because you're, you're protected, you're surrounded. See, God's called us to help set the oppressed free. God's called us to walk with those that are oppressed by addiction and, and help them be set free. And you can put all kind of stuff in that blank. There's some of you right now that you've, you've been oppressed by something. Maybe you're scared to death to even do life with somebody else because you've been hurt so many times by so many other people. There's been so many fake people in your life, you don't know who to trust anymore. I'm going to tell you, you contact me, contact Dallas, we'll do life with you and show you that you can trust somebody again. Amen? God's called us to be those people. That no matter where your background is, no matter what kind of junk you're walking in right now, that we are... We, we want to be those people that are helping you get over what's oppressing you so that you can see Jesus more clearly and walk a purpose-driven life. I want to tell you the greatest thing that, that God did is he used ordinary men to be Jesus' disciples. You know why? Because they can relate to the ordinary struggles to, to everybody else. God wants to use your junk and your past to elevate his glory so that you can tell people, God saved me from this. I, I was poor, but yet, God seen me where I was at, and he brought me out of that. I was poor in spirit. Now I am excited. Now I am praising Jesus. I was exiled. I felt like I was an outcast, but yet somebody loved me, and now I know Jesus. You know what? When that's happened to you, you want to be that same thing for somebody else. And the problem that most of us have, the reason we're not being what God's called us to be and being those vessels of change is because we forgot where we came from. We've forgotten what Jesus has done in our life. We forget the blessings in which, I mean, tell me, have you forgotten where he found you? Because when you forgot where he found you, you know what you're doing. You're easily to judge other people. God really humbled me on that one day. I was upset, I was mad because somebody wasn't getting it the way I thought they should get it. They wasn't, they wasn't following Christ as intentional as I thought they should be following Christ. And I was just like, man, I was upset. And I was praying. I was like, God, I don't understand why they can't get it. I mean, what in the world? They're a pretty smart person, and I don't understand why they can't get this. And he's like, Jeremy, you went to church your whole life and never heard it. Never heard it. Never heard it. Never heard it. Until 2008. And look how long I was patient with you, so you need to be patient with them. You know what I said? Okay, God, I'll shut up now. 
When you forget where you come from, when you forget what God saved you from, when you forget where you were at, you begin to have that judgmental spirit, that self-righteous attitude, and you begin to look down your nose at everyone else thinking you're so holy. And, and when you look at everything in the eyes of Jesus, he grabs you by your, by the, because you're like a, little, like a little balloon floating up. He grabs you and he pulls you back down to earth and it's like, this is what reality looks like, son. God's called us to be a people that realize that this thing is bigger than my comfort, bigger than what I want to do. It's bigger than me, and it's all about Jesus. You see, setting the press free, Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 36, is the man with the impure spirit. He couldn't do anything to get out of his circumstance. He couldn't do anything to get out of that problem that he was in. He was stuck right there. Nobody else wanted to have anything to do with him. He was, he was pretty much exiled out of the city as well. What happened? Jesus went to that man. There was no way that man was ever going to be able to get that, that, that evil spirit out of him. What did Jesus do? Jesus went to him. The man didn't invite him. The man didn't say anything. Jesus went to him and cast the spirit out. See, there's people that we need to go to that you know that are in trouble and you know that are hurting. You know they're in bad shape. But yet you want an invitation. Let me tell you, there's people that are just as prideful as you are. Come on. All of us are battling pride. If you say you ain't battling pride, you're lying to me. We all battle pride. We don't want people to know we jacked up. We don't want people to know we messed up. We don't, people, we don't want people to know that we're struggling at all. So there's other people out there that's not going to ask for help. So when you see somebody struggling, God says, you need to be like Jesus and go to them in a loving way and say, look, I, I see you struggling. I see what's going on. I just want to tell you I'm here for you. I love you. And let, let me walk through this through you. Jesus is bigger than your problem. Jesus is bigger than this situation. And you feel stuck right now, but I'm here to tell you that in the name of Jesus, I'm going to walk through this through with you, and he's going to deliver you from this. Man, when you start speaking positive stuff into people's lives and you believe it, all right, and you're walking in, and you know what God's done in your life, and you say, look, I was where you are, but Jesus found me, and he's changed me. Look what he's done in my life. He's done this, this, and this. You begin to show people hope, and those that are oppressed begin to get set free, not because they wanted to, because you've seen the goodness of God, and you wanted to show it in their life. God's called us to be those agents of change, church. I took the brakes off, and y'all looking at we're going downhill a 1,000 miles an hour. Y'all just look terrified. But see, the biggest thing is the last part of that whole thing. And Jesus says that in verse 19, he says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To proclaim the goodness of God. See, you won't do none of those things if you don't know the goodness of God. And we live in this time to where we all want to, you know, we sing this song. Everybody, everybody kind of lives like, the Kenny Chesney song. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. We got all these things that we want to do instead of we're focused on ourselves instead of on Jesus. See, God's got purpose for your life. God's got a plan for your life. Each and every one of you in this room, God's got a plan for your life. It was planned out before you were born that you would do certain things, that you would be, that you would witness to certain people, that you would be an agent of change in the lives of people around you. But you know what? That only happens if you choose Jesus and you walk with him. 
And maybe today you've had that whole Sunday school religion your whole entire life to where you just went through the motions and you've never been able to walk it out. You think walking it out means going to church and it's not really pursuing the Christ that loves you. See, Jesus would have never, ever, ever been able to do those things if he wasn't fully God and fully human. You know, it's a crazy way to save the world, the way God sent Jesus out of heaven to be born of a virgin, to live among a people that didn't like him, that were ungrateful, to die a death of horrible death where people even spat upon him. And then he died. In three days, he rose again. All that sounds kind of crazy. But the reason it had to happen that way is because God is so awesome. He knew that we had to have a Savior that could relate to us. Jesus was fully God and fully human. There's not one emotion that you have felt that my God has not felt, that Jesus hasn't felt, that he hasn't walked through. The good news of the gospel is that there is a Savior that identifies with you. He identifies with your struggle. He identifies with your fear. He identifies with where you are. He identifies with how you feel like you're insufficient. He identifies with you, and he wants you to walk in a loving relationship with him. But the ball is in your court. You got to desire him. You got to want him. You got to want to do those things. It don't just happen over at night. You got to desire to be the child of God that he created you to be. And the moment that you say, I want to follow Jesus, the ball's in your court to show him how grateful you truly are for his saving grace. Are you going to sit back and just ride to glory? That don't happen, by the way. And do nothing. Or are you going to say, you know what, God? Sign me up. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Do what you want me to do. Put me where you want me to be. God, I'm writing a blank check for my life because you're worthy. Amen? He's called us to look beyond ourselves, beyond our, what we want, and say, God, I want you to do in me what you want me to do. I want you to do in me what I cannot do, God. I'm, maybe today you're paralyzed by fear. Maybe you need to come to this altar and say, God, remove the fear from me. Maybe today you are, you're one of those people that are, are oppressed. You're stuck in a situation. You're stuck in a season of life. You don't know how to get past it right now. You've been struggling, and you don't know how to get past it. Maybe you need to come meet me at this altar and, and help and get God to help you get unstuck. Amen? It's time for us to be real and transparent. It's putting this fakeness junk in the trash, okay? Let's be real people that love a real God, and we want to follow Jesus. We're not, we don't want people to think that we got it all together and we're jacked up. I mean it with all my heart, guys. It's okay to be jacked up, but it ain't okay for you to stay that way. God wants more out of your life. He's purposed more for your life. Jesus didn't die for you to make a mockery of the cross by the way you live. He died so that you would live a life of victory, live a life that honored him, that live a life that was worthy of the sacrifice given. And we won't ever do that unless we realize that this is bigger than me. So what are you going to do in response to that? The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ means that he came, he died, and he bled so that we may have life and have life more abundantly. He died so that we would have an opportunity to make it to heaven. If we trusted, we honored, we obeyed him, we followed Jesus, not just made this blank, this, this little commitment, signed this little card, and never did anything with it. God's given all of us this precious gift of salvation. And we won't ever understand how beautiful and how marvelous this gift is until we actually take possession of it. 
Do we actually unwrap it? Do we actually look at it and say, oh my God, look what he's given me. Some of you, that, that present has been given to you 20 years ago and it's still sitting on the shelf because the, the wrapper's too pretty. You don't want to open it. And you won't understand how beautiful what's inside of it until you get past the wrapper. God's called you guys to be the people to bring redemption to those around you. God's called us to be the light of the world, but we won't be the light if we remain in darkness. So guys, the ball's in your court. Some of you have never truly trusted in Jesus. Some of you have never truly surrendered your life. You've been going through the motions your whole entire life. You've never truly surrendered. You've never truly said, you know what? God, I surrender all today. I want to give you my whole entire life, not just a piece of it. And I want to live my entire life to praise you, to live for you because you're worthy. And some of you need to do that today. If that's you this morning, if you've never truly surrendered your life to Jesus, I want to challenge you. Raise your hands so we can celebrate and you can give your life to Jesus today. If you've never given your life to Christ, you've never truly surrendered, raise your hand. We just want to celebrate with you and pray with you. Nobody. Everybody's saved, sanctified, and accounted for, huh? Then what's keeping us is Connection Miller changing the world outside these doors. If we are what we say we are, if we sold out to Jesus like we say we are, then it's time for us to put our money where our mouth is. And it's time for us to do the work that God's called us to do. It's time for us to stop sitting our butts on these seats every Sunday and start being the agents of change God's called us to be. And I'm not here to give you a pep talk. I'm here to be real with you because I want to tell you, I've been slipping sometimes too. God's been telling me that we need to be the people that are, that, that are not okay for people to stay the same way they are. We need to be people that are loving and accountable. Where are you at this morning? What's holding you back from being that person that I just told, I just read a while ago? What's holding you back from being that missional sinner saved by the glory of God? What's keeping you from being that? Being that vessel of change to the poor. Being that person that, that, that's bringing light to a dark world. There's people that are blinded, bringing, that, bringing them to be able to see again. What's keeping you from being that? It's time for us to lay the excuses down. It's time for us to stop saying, you know what, God? I'm scared if I go to the altar and pray. I'm scared if I do this, then this person's going to judge me. That person's going to judge me. You know what? If somebody gets up and goes to the altar and you feel like, oh, what they do? You need to come on because you're judging We need to be real and transparent. And I'll be the first one to the altar. Y'all, let's be real with God. Let's be genuine Christians. God's not going to do nothing in us. God's not going to use us one ounce unless we're real. God's not going to change this community through us unless we're real. So we can keep going through the motions all we want to. We can keep putting on this plastic face all we want to, and we're just going to keep doing church. And I ain't good with that. I say all the time, God, use me or move me. And that's how we need to be. We want to see God move. We want to see God change. And the ball is in our court. So how bad do you want to see your neighbor transformed? How bad do you want to see your community changed? How bad do you want to see the, that man that's begging for money on Friday on, on, at, the, at the store on Friday afternoon? How bad do you want to see him know Jesus? How bad? 
How bad do you want to see that your brother, your sister, that, that's just been going through the motions for their whole life, don't really know Christ, how bad do you want them to really see Jesus like you see? And I guess the reason I get so excited and I holler so much is because I remember where I was. Maybe you need to come down here and say, God, I've forgotten where I was. God, bring that, that sensitivity back to me for the moment that you saved me, God. Show me where I was at so that I can be thankful and grateful and walk this thing out every day. As worship band comes up, I'm going to pray. And the ball's in your court, church. I love you guys. The only person I can worry about is me. I'm going to do business for me. You do business for you. But let's walk out of this place hand in hand. Saying we're going to reach this community for the glory of God. We're going to put our, ourselves aside. We're going to say, you know what, Jesus? I'm doing this for you even though I'm uncomfortable. Even though sometimes it's going to make me painful. I'm doing this for you. Y'all willing to do that with me today? Y'all willing to walk out of here and say, it's all on Jesus? We're going to do this together? Y'all with me? Y'all with me? Y'all with me? Come on, y'all with me? I just said we ain't playing no games. He told me to take the brakes off. Y'all wasn't ready? Let's pray. Let's do business with God. Father God, we come to you right now, God, and we pray, Lord, that you would do an amazing work in our hearts. God, we're sinners. And God, so many times, God, we're just so caught up on ourselves. And God, we really don't understand how good you are. God, we really don't understand how glorious you are. God, I pray, Father, that you would give us that sight in which a lot of us have lost over the years, God. Lord, a lot of us have been blinded by our circumstances. And, and God, we started out with great intentions, but yet somehow through all the junk going on that we've lost perception. God, give us vision again this morning. God, remove the problems in our, in our minds. Remove the, the obstacles that we face, God, so that we can glorify you more with our lives. God, help us be the people you called us to be. God, help us remove the, the excuses right now. Because, God, we often give you excuses why we can't be the vessel you called us to be, why we can't step out of our comfort zone. But, God, you hold the keys to this universe in your hands. And, God, if you saved a wretch like me, God, I know that you can remove the excuses from any person in this room. God, I thank you that you didn't leave me the way you found me. I thank you for filling me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for constantly reminding me of where I came from. God, help us be the people that look to you before we look at ourselves. And God, move on us, God, so we are truly, genuinely transparent and authentic followers of you. God, empower us to be the vessels of change. God, move in our hearts so that we're real. Help us, Lord. Give us courage to take the step.